You can find the reading on page 1191 and is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 12. So that's 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We'll open to the text that was read, and we'll look at it briefly. We're going to look especially at that verse 12 at the beginning, when he says, I'm reading from the ESV, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Shall we come to the Lord in prayer? Oh Lord, we pray that you open the ears of our hearts to hear these beautiful words from Paul. Indeed, it's your inspired word to change us and to transform us and to make us godly people that you desire us to be. Now be with your servant as he brings your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I've titled this message as Equipped for Ministry. And as you look through it, you would ask yourself, what do I mean by ministry? And then maybe you would ask, how are we equipped for ministry? The word ministry, as we see it here, is translated as service at the end of that verse 12. Oftentimes when we think about service and ministry, we always see it in the context of the church. We never see one working in a restaurant as one who is ministering. Or we never see firefighters or policemen or nurses or midwives as those who are ministering. We often don't see parenting as doing ministry. Or those who take care of the elderly, they never call themselves ministers. Tim Keller, a pastor um, uh, of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, has written a small catechism which he referred to, he titled the New City Catechism. And in that, he gives the first question 
to be memorized as what is our hope in life and death? To which he gives an answer that we are not our own but belong body and soul both in life and death to God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the hope that we have in life and in death is that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death to God. The question then may be asked, if truly we belong to God and we're not our own, shouldn't we be doing everything that we do for God? Meaning, if you go out to office to work, you're serving God. If you go out to teach at school, you're serving God. If you go out and you're taking care of your um, a sick mother, you're, you're serving God. But also, even when you go out for a walk, you're actually doing everything for God. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says this, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so we answer that ministry is not only that which is done in church, but everything that we do. When I love my wife or child, I'm actually doing it for the glory of God. In that, I'm serving God. And then the next question to answer is, how are we equipped for this service to God? And that's where we find Paul giving his testimony in those few verses of how he himself was equipped to the service of God. To give a context to that text, Paul was writing to a young preacher in a very big church, a preacher that was raising, a church that was raising up some people who were teaching for their selfish gain. And he highlights that in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 1 of what those people were doing. They were teaching the law, but they were not applying the law to what it should be applied to. As selfishly, they were directing people not to love out of a pure heart and a good conscience, but lying and teaching endless genealogies. But as Paul tells Timothy to make sure that he rebukes those people who are teaching false doctrine, in between there, he weaves in his own testimony as to how he ended up where he is as a servant of God and as an apostle of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there in verse 12, he gives two fundamental things that you see. He says, he gives thanks to God who gives him strength to serve him. And secondly, he says, he gives thanks to God who counts him faithful and gives him the ministry that he's in. And we're going to look at those two uh, this morning very briefly. First of all, he says, I give thanks to God who gives me strength, even Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the implication of that, that he gives him strength? Well, Paul would see this strength in two ways. Whenever he uses that word, the first time he uses it is in Romans, in chapter 5 and verse 6, when he says, when we were without strength, 
at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And so the strength that he's talking about here in 1 Timothy 1.12 is even that strength that quickened his soul to turn him away from living for himself and turn him to live for God. If you've read chapter 9 of Acts, you see how God was able to turn him around. So this strength that he's talking about also sets him free from sin. You see, the Bible describes all of us as those who have fallen short of the glory of God because we are sinners. And when you read Romans chapter 3, verse 9, he says we are all under sin. So oftentimes we don't do that which is to glorify God in a way of serving him with the things that we do are always to glorify self. And so when we love, it's not because we love God and therefore we love our neighbor. No, because we love ourselves, so we pretend that we are loving. When we give, it's not because we're giving glory to God. No, we give because we want to feel good for ourselves. And here Paul is saying it's God who gives him the strength. He has quickened him, turned him away from living for himself and to live wholeheartedly for God. And when we understand this, this changes a lot of things in our own life to know who gives us that strength. When he gives us the strength to turn away from sin, people who are drunkards and they, ask, they say that to themselves, we can't stop drinking. It's because they don't have the strength in themselves to stop drinking. And we have to point to them, to the one who is able to help them to stop drinking, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, you find people who are, they say they love their wives, but they're living in an adulterous relationship. And they say, we can't help it. I do love you, but I can't help it. I find myself cheating on you. It's because you're living for yourself. You, you, you're not living for the greater one, for the glory of God. And when we understand that our lives were created for that, to glorify God in everything that we do, we're going to always live a futile life. And Paul realized that, and he gives thanks continually to God who gives him the strength not to live for himself, but to live for God. Whatever he's doing, he's serving God in that which he's doing. But also, not only that when he was quickened or set free from sin, but he gives thanks to God who enables him to serve. We know he was an apostle, and I'm pretty sure as a missionary in his day, I don't think there is anybody who has covered the same land, even in our day, with improved transport, as he did as an apostle Paul. But God, he says, is the one who gave him the strength to serve him the way he was serving. And as you read through all Pauline letters, you find he's always pleading that people may pray for him so that he may go out and take the gospel to the lost nations. And that's what we as missionaries also need. We do need the money, but more so we need the prayers that God may be able to strengthen us, to serve him faithfully, that he may be able to keep us from the evil one. And it's not only the missionaries who need these prayers, we also need these prayers. You also need these prayers. If you have any children, you know what I mean. Every day you wake up and you wonder how the day is going to be with your child. 
how you're going to live with them, how you're going to direct them in the ways of the Lord. And we need those prayers. But oftentimes we do live as supermen and superwomen because we often wake up and we cannot even kneel down to thank God who has given us life and to even ask him for the grace to take us through the day. We always talk about pray that prayer, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And oftentimes we limit it to just the food. But this daily bread is that which takes us. Jesus Christ mentions it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's what we need every day when we ask for that daily bread, is that grace of God, the strength of God, to take us through all that we're going to be doing. I always listen to teachers and what they go through at school. And nowadays, fighting with teenagers and things. If you're a Christian, you cannot stay as a Christian when you teach in the public schools here in the UK. And you always need the strength of God to give you the grace to endure the hardship all through the day because you're serving God. Yes, you're paid at the end of the month, but that's ministry for you. Because whatever you do, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for God. And we always have to remember that. But secondly, what Paul mentions is he thanks the Lord Jesus who has counted him faithful and given him this ministry. The word that's translated faithful would be trustworthy. But as you read on Father in verse 13, you find out that Paul wasn't a trustworthy person because he was a blasphemer a persecutor, and a very violent man. And as we go back to read through his story, he wasn't a very good man. That's why he says God counted him faithful and granted him the ministry that he's in. Again, I'll refer to parents. Um, it's always not so easily that you know when you've just gotten married to know that you're not a gifted parent. It's until you have the child and even 15 months you can't really keep them together. That's when you know that you're not a gifted parent. But there is one thing that we have to notice that God knows we are not good at parenting. But he entrusts us with those dear children. Don't you just marvel at that? That with your limitations, if you look back in your teenage years and your rebellion that you had towards your own parents, yet now you can be entrusted with it, a little child to take care of. Now God isn't giving you according to the count of your life and how you lived. No, he counts you faithful and gives you that ministry of parenting. And also, when we look at the work where we are, we have to remember that we are not in us faithful. It's not because we daily attend or every Sunday we come to church or because we wake up in the morning and we're able to say our prayers or we always pray for everything we have so God gives us the ministry he gives us. Paul says no. He just credits us, credits our account with faithfulness. But we ourselves are not indeed faithful at all. We always come empty when we come to him. As if you've, 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 you've sung Augustus Top Lady's uh, famous hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. 
This is one of the verses and what, she, uh, what he writes. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Fall to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, all I die. And that's how we should always come every single day, coming to God who has counted us faithful, and each day asking him to grant us more of that faithfulness. But then we have to find where does this faithfulness lie? God gives us that faithfulness which is in his son. Having trusted in him who was faithful of all, now that faithfulness is credited to our account. The perfect life that Jesus lived is that life which now belongs to all those who are in Christ Jesus. And so you ask yourself each day, how are you going to live and serve God? How can you be equipped for ministry? Well, first of all, you have to go to him who gives you strength in Christ Jesus to quicken you from your sin. And then to go to him and depend on him daily to help you to serve him and to minister to him. Oh, I pray that each day your life may always count to serve the Lord. That whether you eat or drink that nice chocolate, you may always drink it to the glory of God. These are the words of City Start, the ones I'll finish with. Though a rich heir of a great fortune, he was able to give it all away, became a missionary in India, and then after that, pioneered work in DRC, Congo. When he was asked why he did what he did, he always had that famous phrase, Oh, let my love with favor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure at thy throne. Only one life till soon be past. Only what is done for Christ will last. May we ponder upon that, the lives that we live each day. Only that which is done for Christ will last. And the Lord bless this word to us.